Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. Massive episode inbound here, probably. It's all bloody happening. Another great guest ep with Freddie McManus inbound. Had to get him back after how electric his last episode was, coupled with the fact I accidentally destroyed the footage on the hard drive later that week. So felt I had done him a bit dirty there, and also the feedback on that episode was great. And I think me, Freddie, and Rowan are a electric, or at the very least, very likable trio. So a lot of fun in the guest app this week. Celebrity encounter at the start of the episode, which is something you won't see too often, especially from the days before we got into the studio. I don't want to speak out of school. I don't want to rip on my roommates too much. But when me and Rowan were recording the podcast here where we live, there was fuck all celebrity encounters before we started the pod. In fact, regardless of what time we were starting the pod, there's just no celebs milling around our kitchen. But now we're in this sick studio. Some of the podcasts are much bigger than Get Around Me, if you can wrap your head around that. And a lot of them have celebrity guests. You know, there's the Batuta Advocate podcast, other podcasts. And we're in the we're in the lobby or the reception or the I don't know, we're sitting on a couch, whatever you would describe that as. And one of Australia's greatest superstars graced us with their presence. So, little bit of a tease there. I'm not usually one to tease, but when something electric happens, you have to make it known. So, that's pretty exciting. And that's coming in the second half. Bit of a solo lifestyle vignette to start things off here. What's happening with me? I feel a little embarrassed, if I can be honest. (laughs) I think I might have come out of the gates a little bit too aggressively last week saying how my Facebook page is unbanned and stuff, which it is, which it is, but I posted a reel and, you know, my reels and videos have been getting like 93 views over the last year while my Facebook page has been restricted by Mark Zuckerberg. Anyway, in my mind, once I've been unbanned, right? I'm thinking, what, minimum 30 mil on the first video back? Minimum, really? Probably just blow the fuck up immediately. In my mind, the Facebook ban had been seriously hampering my comedy career. But now, I guess, I'm not sure what was going to happen. But in my mind, like I said, I thought post-ban, it would just be absolutely electric. Like, maybe 40,000 shares on the first clip I posted. Anyway, I posted a reel last week and it got 428 views (laughs) so i potentially may have jumped the gun a little bit saying you know watch out facebook i'm back fuck the haters etc i think some of the things i said about mark zuckerberg have aged pretty poorly i'm not sure if he heard them and i think it just goes to show once again that Regardless on whether or not Mark Zuckerberg is cornering your favorite fighter to one of the most vicious knockouts you've ever seen on the telly, you can't just be running your mouth about this bloke around town. He has eyes and ears everywhere. The way he was smiling when he was in Alex Alex Volkanovsky's corner, I wish he would smile like that when he saw my content because Zuck's not vibing it for whatever reason. So I still did get a notification saying, this is your best performing Real in about 12 months or whatever. 
keep it up. I don't know if anyone has like a public Facebook or Instagram page, but often Zuckerberg will message you words of encouragement if for some reason you got 430 views on a reel, but it's also your best performing video in a year or so. And here's the thing, guys, right? Compare and despair. It's not about, hey, Bill, you only got 428 views. Will Gibbs got about 73 million since this morning. How does that make you feel? Wrong. Okay? Wrong, wrong, wrong. Because do you know what? It's not about comparing yourself to others. It's about comparing yourself to your former self. Right? So yes, 430 views within the context of the greater world may seem a little down. But a year ago, I was getting 92 views. So it's actually a 400% increase. And I think that notification I received from Facebook was a subtle nod to that. So I'm on the up. My It's not about how high you are. It's about your trajectory. And right now, I'm on a 400% increase. And I'm shooting for the fucking moon, dude. So it's all happening. It's all happening. And that's there's a lesson there. Only compare yourself to your past self. Do not compare yourself to your future self, whatever you do. Because in my mind, that guy is just, bam, 20 million views a video, you know, arenas and everything. So you don't want to compare yourself to that bloke because he's doing pretty well. But yeah, compare yourself maybe to you when you were like 13, didn't even have a job, didn't know how to make pasta, didn't even have a Facebook page. Compared to that kid, I'm fucking destroying things, dude. So it's all about perspective and I've used the power of perspective there to keep moving forward. But You know, I've got a lot on, guys. I don't want to come across as someone who doesn't have a lot on because I do. I'm currently trying to unlock the power of legumes after I watched that Blue Zone documentary on Netflix. Man, I'll tell you what, the legumes, from what I can tell, you need to eat about seven barrels of beans with your lunch to not black out on the way home. I don't know if anyone has had any experience with beans. I'm not talking about baked beans, although God knows what's in them. But I'm talking about, you know, black beans, red kidney beans, this sort of stuff. It's all good stuff. But from what I can tell, you can either have a fistful of chicken or you can have nine barrels of kidney beans or black beans. And they taste like shit. And yet you'll be sitting there eating the meal for about two and a half hours. So I've been dizzy. Okay. I've been dizzy. And it's... But anyway, guys, a couple of things to talk about here. A couple of things to talk about here. What about this, dude? So I got an Uber the other day. I had to whip around town, which I hate to do. I don't want to be paying for Ubers like seven days a week. But I had one of these things where it's like, you know, I've got a gig at 7.45 and then I'm supposed to be on at 7.53 some other place. So got in an Uber in King's Cross, right? The Golden Mile, right? Nod to Johnny Ibrahim. Thanks for everything. I get an Uber. Drag Queen gets out of the Uber. I get in. It's one of those great times where you order an Uber and it just goes, arrived. He's like dropping a bloke off or a woman or whatever. Uh, (laughs) I don't even know why I got, got mixed up in that. But yeah, he's dropping a bloke off in front of me. So he's arrived immediately, which suits my, my purposes perfectly because I'm running about 25 minutes late. Anyway, drag queen gets out. I get in. It's like a 75-year-old Arabic man in the front seat. And I go, oh, here we go. And this is going to sound like a bit, okay? Because I told this story 
to the lads over the weekend and they thought I was like running a bit by them. So I want to make that clear that this is not a bit. This is just a humorous situation that's occurred in the real world. Often comedy will come from real world experiences and this is a great example of that. I get in, drag queen gets out and the guy goes, Chippo Hotel or whatever. I go, yeah, mate. And then there's like one beat of silence. He goes, you know, that was a man. I go, <laughs> yeah, dude. I know that was a man. He goes, yeah, well, I tell you what, I don't know. No problems here. But he or she took about 10 minutes to get in and out of the car. A lot of bags, a lot of bags. I go, yeah, probably a few outfit changes in there. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, whatever, whatever. I go, whatever, whatever. You know, I think I was in a situation where he thought I was homophobic and I thought he was homophobic. And we're in this like fucking Mexican standoff of going like, there was just a drag queen in this car. How do you feel about that, brother? Hey, we both got the guns up going, I voted yes, back off. <laughs> and then, anyway, and then, now, this next bit's true, and this is the bit that kind of sounds like a bit. So, we're driving along Oxford Street, right? And this guy goes, what they've done to Oxford Street is absolutely disgusting. And keep in mind, it's Mardi Gras this Saturday. This was maybe last Wednesday or Thursday or some shit. So, you know, Oxford Street is really, it's at maximum Oxford Streetness. Like, everything's a rainbow. Uh, it looks like fucking the rainbow road out there. If you're going to get a, a carton of milk, you're in Mario Kart. So... The boys are revving up, the, the, the guys, the gals, they're getting ready for the big festival this Saturday. And so Oxford Street is, is like as gay as it will ever get. And this guy's gone, what they've done to Oxford Street is absolutely disgusting. And I'm going, here we go, okay? I'm going to have to uh, submit this man from behind, rear naked choke from the backseat of this Toyota Corolla, okay? Because I live in the city now and I won't stand for this. And I go, oh yeah, mate? What's that? And he goes, they used to have the bus lanes open to cars in the morning. So we had three lanes of traffic going both ways. They've closed the bus lanes off and it is at a standstill in the mornings now. It's absolutely fucked. And I go, <laughs> I go, oh, the traffic. He goes, yeah, yeah, the traffic. I go, yeah, no, 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 for sure, mate. They've got to open up those bus lanes. I'm thinking bus lanes, brother. We've just dodged a four-car hate crime pile-up right here in this lane. So don't you worry about that. And he ended up being a really fucking interesting guy. And I misjudged him horribly. So is there a lesson in that somewhere? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I thought that was a pretty funny story. But the two people I've told this to previously are like, all right, mate, what is this, a bit? You know? I guess it does kind of feel like a Seinfeld scene. But you know what, guys? Seinfeld's a comedian and I'm a comedian too. And sometimes, not all the time, <laughs> our lives overlap. Up next, I will just quickly plug my national stand-up tour dates. Brand new show. I'm going to Melbourne, March 27 to April 7. After that, I'm going to Perth, Brisbane, Adelaide, Canberra, Newcastle, Sydney, Wollongong. Get the bloody hell around it. You can get all those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio or the show notes for this podcast. Hope to see you there. Brand new show, etc., dude. But anyway, there's a couple of things that I just want to talk about before we get into this guest episode. So basically, yeah, I, w I, the, the, I wasn't going to do a solo episode this week. 
you know, with the guest stuff, guys, sometimes it's hard for me to have enough ideas to do like a solo episode and a guest episode. Last week, uh, we had Duggan on. It was absolutely fantastic. And then, you know, Robert Irwin's broke up with his chick. Pink's getting flogged by bouncers. I can't remember what else happened, but I just had a lot to talk about. This week, I didn't have as much to talk about, but I just wanted to talk ever so briefly about uh, the Matildas and then obviously the project. And then, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I am an absolutely filthy, diehard Avatar The Last Airbender fan. And the live action came out on Netflix, so I just wanted to briefly talk about that for about three and a half hours before the guest episode. Okay, so that's what's on the agenda today. Anyway, just quickly, right? So I'm watching the Matildas just dust up Uzbekistan the other night, right? Just give them a bit of treatment in the Olympic qualifier. And what is going on with the Olympics? I swear to God, I've been watching the Matildas qualify for these Olympics for about seven years. What? Like, I didn't even know you had to qualify for the Olympics. The Olympics. I thought it was just every country sends their best guy. You know, soccer, here's our soccer team. Swimming, here's our swimmer. Like, I know you have to qualify to play for the Matildas or get into the team. I know that just not anyone can rock up and have a run at the Olympics. I understand that. But what about like Eric the Eel, the swimmer and stuff from years gone by? You know, that bloke could barely get through a lap of the pool. He's out at the Olympics having a fucking trot. And yet our Matildas contain some of the best players on the world. And we're going through like this 10-step qualifying process to get to the Paris Olympics. I've no, I've, I guess I've never followed an Olympic qualifying process before. And I guess the men, it's under 23s for the men. So I always think, I think who gives a fuck? I'm not going to watch an under 23 men's Olympic qualifier. I mean, that's such a mouthful. Who could be fucked with that? Just saying that, let alone sitting down to watch it. But this is the first time, I guess, because, you know, I'm following the Matildas on social media or something. I'm aware of the Olympic qualifying process and it seems to be fucking endless, you know? And it's always Uzbekistan. I swear to God, whether it's the World Cup, the Asian Cup, the men, the women, every time the last hurdle is Uzbekistan. Are we the only country in the world that has to go to Uzbekistan to fucking have a one-all draw with these cunts and just sneak over the line to get into the 2010 World Cup? Remember that one where Josh Kennedy got that header against like Bahrain or some shit in like the 112th minute? I don't even know, dude. I don't even know how we always end up in the Middle East fighting for our spot. Uh, But the girls have gone to Uzbekistan. Um, Fair play to the Uzbeki girls as well. I can't imagine women's sport is too well funded over there. So good on them for having a crack. Obviously no good. 3-0, thanks for coming. But the... (laughs) I just don't understand what's happening with the Olympics. Like the English women's team, the Lionesses, they did not qualify for the Olympics, right? They didn't qualify for the Olympics. They were just in a World Cup final about six months ago. So riddle me that. But how do you make a fucking World Cup final and you can't get into the Olympics? How hard is it to get into these fucking Olympics, dude? In the basketball, we had Lauren Jackson playing on one leg at 42 to get the the chicks in there. Apparently, it's absolutely unbelievably hard to get into an Olympic team sport, so I'm not sure what's happened there. I'm not sure if we're into the Olympics yet. I think we've still got to play Uzbekistan another 17 times, or they've got to come here or something. 
I think I must have watched some Asian Cup qualifiers or something and thought they were Olympic qualifiers. The Paris Olympics is like a fucking mirage to me, dude. I don't know when this thing's coming. But anyway, so well done to the Matildas. Um, and yeah, I just want to talk. Do I want to talk about Avatar first? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so I've seen Avatar The Last Airbender, the anime show, about 75 times every episode. And I absolutely love the anime version, to clarify. And I'd usually try and knock it over once a year. It's kind of that thing where you just got you just want to stay on top of the Fire Nation. For me personally, I just want to keep my foot on these cunts' throat because they are a slippery slip. I was going to say race, but that's probably in poor taste, isn't it? Is it racist? <laughs> Is it racist to say derogatory things about the Fire Nation? Okay, I know they're kind of Asian in the show, but, you know, it doesn't really... Do you know what I mean? But everyone's sort of Asian. That's one one of the things with this show. Anyway, let's just put a pin in this because it feels like I'm searching for a hate crime and I don't know why I'm doing it. But look, the Fire Nation, okay, as a state, not as a race, as a state, as a dictatorship... I like to keep my foot on their throat at all times. So, you know, each year I, use, I like to knock over Avatar The Last Airbender. You know, sometimes I do get a bit sloppy and sort of leave it for 18 months or so, but I absolutely love the show. And yeah, look, I'll tell you what, the live action, um, if you are in to people who are 35% Asian, my God, this is the show for you. If you're into some of the most attractive 35% Asian people you've ever seen, this is the show for you. Anyway, look, the, the show, it's worth a watch. And I've, I've only watched the first five episodes to clarify. So no one messaged me, oh, Bill, you're not going to like what's coming next or don't worry, mate, it gets better. None of that shit, okay? If you would like to message me about the first five episodes and your thoughts and feelings, then that's absolutely fine. Anyway, so yeah, how do I feel about this? Look, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's pretty good. It's, it's not unbelievable. It's pretty good. And I saw after the first four episodes, I looked at some reviews online. I'm seeing a lot of reviews saying seven out of 10, six and a half out of 10, mixed bag. And I think those reviews are fine. I reckon it's about a seven out of 10. And I am enjoying it. And I don't want to be too negative. I should clarify that there will be parts of this where I'm going to be maybe the most negative man on the planet. But there are a lot of parts where I'm going to be really positive. Okay. And. That's just how I feel. I can't help how I feel. Firstly, it is a different storyline to the show. So wrap your head around that. And I will be spoiling the first five episodes. If anyone hasn't seen it, fair warning, there will be spoilers. Anyway, the story is different. So wrap your head around that. Because I spent the first two episodes just in my head going, wrong, wrong, wrong. That didn't happen. Wrong, wrong order, wrong. Okay, it's a different story. They have got, what is it, 20 episodes a season, 20, 20, 22 episodes a season. They've condensed it to eight episodes. They've done a thing where they pretty much combine two, sometimes three episodes into one one-hour episodes. And I've got to say, they do a pretty good job of it. What's an example? Like the Omashu episode is crossed over with the Jet episode and the mechanist flying, the paralyzed kid who flies around. And I reckon they do a pretty good job of like getting all the storyline in. And especially they do a lot of flashbacks, which I guess is good for people who haven't seen the show. 
I'm honestly overwhelmed by all the thoughts I have. I was so nervous watching this show. Like, it's embarrassing how much I needed this to be good. Because if it's good, it's just something I'll get to watch over and over again. And that means there'll be a second season. If it's bad, then it's just like, that sucks. Zero from two on the live actions. But, yeah, casting's pretty good, dude. Iroh and Zuko fucking smash this, dude. I can't, I don't know their their real names, their, their people names, but... Iroh and Zuko, I feel like all the scenes where it's Iroh and Zuko are just great. Admiral Zhao is great. In fact, all the Fire Nation people are pretty sick. The beard they put on Fire Lord uh, Ozai, the guy, he's from Hawaii Five O and Always Be My Maybe, and he does a great job. The beard in some scenes looks absolutely ridiculous on him. I feel like some of the scenes, I'm like, man, that this looks so cool. The aesthetic, the outfits. And then like the next scene, you're like, what the fuck? Like, it's a bit of that. They made uh, the guy who played King Boomy. They made like, it seemed like they got a young guy and put him in just crazy old guy makeup and gave him the weirdest outfit ever. He looked a bit ridiculous, but then the next guy looks fucking sick, you know? So they do a pretty good job. It's all pretty good stuff, you know? It's all pretty, if you like missionary sex, this is the show for you. It's nothing wild. And there are parts of it where you will think, I wish someone would just say something weird as shit, you know, just to spice it up a bit right now. But you will get to where you need to go. That's how I would describe the show. It's a bit, a bit of missionary, you know? It's a bit of Friday night, bottle of red, missionary with the missus. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, okay? There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Is it something that's going to blow your fucking head off? It's not, okay? It's not. But still, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, one massive gripe I have with the show is they made Aang about six years old. And I understand he's 12 in the anime, but he's anime 12. Anime 12 is like live action 17, you know? And I feel like the whole point of the show, not the whole point, but a massive underlying storyline is like the love story between Aang and Katara. And it's like, dude, how's this kid going to bang Katara at the end of season three? He's seven. Not only is he seven, he's a monk. So it's like, I, I don't even understand. I don't. How could you find someone less horny than a seven-year-old monk? It blows me away. And Saka's like 16, feel like Katara's like 14, 15. I reckon just bump up the ages a bit because, you know, 12 years old, if you're a 12-year-old anime kid, you can look hard as fuck and have like a love story and no one really blinks an eye at it. But if you're an actual 12-year-old, and mate, when I say this kid's 12, I'm sure he's biologically 12. He looks about seven. I mean, he looked like me when I was 12, you know? This kid's going to hit puberty at 23 like Billy Darcy which is fine for Billy D. He's not playing Aang in one of the most iconic shows of all time. So I don't know what's going to happen there because there appears to be no love story between Aang and Katara, which is like crazy to me, dude. They did the cave of two lovers and they had freaking Katara and Saka in there. They're brother and sister. What's that about, you know? Hey, (laughs) hey guys who took over from the original creators. It's the cave of two lovers. Can we not send a couple of siblings in there for some fucking weird incest vibes or whatever? I don't even know, dude. Like, obviously, I'm hysterical right now, but that was kind of weird. So I wish they made Aang older. Like, let's make Aang 14 and let's have him be 16 by the end of this thing. Sexually charged up. And that's the weirdest thing about this show is that in the actual anime, Aang has a crush on Katara, like, the whole time. And it's sort of, like, builds... Like, it's not really a part of the story, but it's sort of just... It's sort of just subtly behind the story the whole time and it's like a through line 
And if you've seen the anime, you know, I feel like I don't want to ruin it, but also it's been out for 23 years. But spoiler alert, but it's the last scene of the whole fucking show is them kissing. And it's like a great ending. So if we're not going to have that ending, I personally will be absolutely distraught. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So I'm not sure about why they made him so young. Anyway, I think the kid does a good job or whatever. Like, they nailed his tattoos. His tattoos look sick. I think the outfits look pretty sick. I think Katara and Saka. I think the casting's really good. Like, everyone sort of looks like their person. One thing, and this is my two big gripes with the show, are that Aang is a fetus. And also, put the Katara stuff to the side with how, like, how they're going to do a romance storyline with a, with a four-year-old child. When, when Aang's, like, running away from firebenders and stuff, this kid must be about four foot one. Straight up. Straight up four foot one. They need to take out... There's a reason when I'm watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers in 1993. Mate, all the Power Rangers are supposed to be 15, but they're fucking 27, yeah? Do you know why? Because... Real 14-year-olds are children. They've got digital watches and they're scared of the dark. They're not Power Rangers. Kimberly in Power Rangers, the Pink Ranger, she's like a 24-year-old baddie dude. So probably should have done the 1990s method of having high school kids be in their mid-20s. Whatever, too late for that now. We've got to get Aang on some human growth hormone, get him eating some chicken breast or something for season two, if they're making a season two, which I hope they do. But yeah, rev him up a bit. And then the weirdest thing is they've foregone the romance with Aang and Katara, which is like the main one. Um, Apart from that, by the way, literally every other character is trying to bang at all times. Like the sexual tension between like Jet and Katara and like Sokka and Sue, it's way more than in the show. Which is fine, but it just seems weird that everyone gets to bang except Aang. Why does everyone get to bang except Aang? There's probably a slogan in there somewhere. We want Ang to bang. We want Ang to bang. I'm going to edit that out. Regardless, this is my other gripe with the show, okay? And then it's pretty much exclusively positive after this. Ang 7, put that to the side. The dialogue, dude. The dialogue is so earnest and so genuine. It's bizarre. Like, I feel like every scene, someone's like, Ang... Aang gave us something more than food and water. He gave us hope, Sarka. And I don't know about you, but I sure could use a little bit of hope right now. And I think, do you know what? I think the world could too. And it's like every scene is just someone talking about hope. But is there any danger of anyone having a fucking laugh on this thing? Every scene, this seven-year-old kid, Aang, is like just about to break down in tears. And I'm not having to go at the kid. He does a good job with the dialogue or whatever, but the dialogue is just so over the top, so dramatic. Every scene, Aang's like, I should have been here. It's all my fault. I'll never be able to save the world. Like, there's a bit of that in the show, but most of the time they're just having a fucking laugh, yeah? So, and it feels like you don't really get to know them that much as characters. Like Iroh and Zuko, you get to know a bit more because they're actual individual characters. The kid who plays Zuko, give that, give that bloke an Oscar. He's smashing it out of the park. Whereas Aang, Sarka, and Katara, I feel like they're just so fucking genuine and so dramatic that you don't even really... They're like three of the same character. 
And the way this kid is, who plays Aang is always looking to the ground after delivering these earnest lines, he's like, I've let the world down once and I've lost everyone I cared for. But you know what? That's not going to stop me because you guys are my family now. And it's like, all right, fine. Let's have a bit of this, okay? I understand there's a bit of that in the show. But in the show, it's like there'd be one earnest moment at the end. In this, it's just relentlessly earnest. So dramatic, so earnest all the time. It's absolutely unbelievable. But I tell you what though, no matter how earnest it is and no matter how much Aang looks like a fetus and the storyline, you know what? I think they're doing a good job with it. Tough gig with the storyline. I will say pretty much every episode, something happens where I go, this is so fucking sick. And there's so many, I love the little nods to the actual show. And I will say that every episode, yeah, one thing happens where I just go, whatever, dude, this is fucking unreal. Like when Kyoshi rocks up in episode two or three and just starts murking cunts out, yeah, I'll have a bit of that, okay? I'll have a bit of that. And like Ko, the face stealer in the spirit world of episode five, dude, put a fucking warning up on that Netflix you got a 29-year-old man blazed out of his mind on the couch on a Wednesday night and Co the Face Stealer makes a rogue appearance. Holy shit, dude. There goes sleeping tonight, hey? Unbelievable, Co the Face Stealer. So that was pretty sick. Roku's not even in it yet, so I'm not sure what that's about. But whatever. Still a lot of sick moments. Like when they don't reveal who Jet is yet and then he takes out the curved swords and just starts absolutely slapping blokes around. I love it. I will say a couple of things with the bending is like they open it up with Aang just flying around. Like Aang can just fly. And then the weirdest thing is Aang can just fly around for the first two episodes and just hasn't flown since. I hate that. I don't I, like you can't just fly around, mate. You know, I don't know what that's about. It's like they got to episode three and were like, oh, yeah, that's right. He can't just fly around. And then the fire bending, the fire bending sick, by the way. And I think all the bending looks pretty cool. I think they did a cool job. The firebending, now there's this thing where you can just literally burn cunts alive with your hand, which didn't used to be the case in the anime, though I guess that would be a little bit too graphic for a Nickelodeon cartoon. But I like that, you know, they're like talking about, it's, it's definitely a bit more full on in the live action. Blokes are getting just burnt alive left and right. It makes way more sense how the firebenders have just absolutely murked out everyone in their path because a click of their fingers and you're absolutely just pretty much exploding you're getting the indiana jones treatment from the holy grail that's what it's like or i should say the ark of the covenant in indiana jones when he opens that up and everyone just gets fucking x-rayed and their eyes explode that's like a guy firebending at you in the show so watch out for the firebenders they're they're quite fierce in this one and yeah i'm not sure what else yeah a bit more bands from Sarka. i feel like in the show Sarka is like 99 percent bands and in this one, he's like, just so, he's like, dad left me in charge of the village. That's all he says. <laughs> That's all he says. They're like, hey, Saka, like, do you want to, do you want some lunch? He's like, dad left me in charge of the village. I got to protect everyone. I'm going to fucking kill myself. Like, and it's like, can we get a joke out of this guy? I like maybe a few more jokes. Um, and yeah, I will say that if you are like a lot of the show is them building in the storyline for new viewers, which is fine. And I understand the need for that. If you are watching Avatar The Last Airbender live action, 
as your first ever viewing of Avatar The Last Airbender. If you're skipping the anime and going straight to the live action, you need professional help. You need to be medicated, okay? That's insane. That is absolutely insane. And I think they should honestly put up a a warning saying like, if this is your first ever viewing of Avatar The Last Airbender, here's a direct link to the anime version because obviously the anime is 20 million times better in every way. But overall, dude, it's not too bad. Originally, when I flicked it on, I was like, look, time permitting, I could just be drilling eight hours of this back to back. But it's not the sort of show where you're like absolutely fucking fiending for the remote to hit up another one. You know, you watch two in a row that, you know, come back the next day for sure. Yeah, I think honestly, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And if anything, season two could be better maybe, but I've enjoyed it to a certain extent. Anyway, just the project to finish this off here. The project is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent killing it here and abroad. And I will say that we ran into a huge uh, Australian celebrity in the studio that we talk about on the guest app. So that kind of blows us out of the water. But anyway, there's just uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about a couple of lesser-known Australian UFC fighters fighting this weekend. Uh, Tyson Pedro and Steve Ursig are fighting on a no-name UFC fight night this Sunday. Sunday morning. Probably don't get up for it, to be honest. Probably want to catch the replay. I think the main card's at 8 a.m. But yeah, Tyson Pedro, dude, he also has a podcast out of the Batuta Studios. So hopefully I could get him on the podcast at some stage. That would be cool. That would be cool. And I haven't looked up the odds for these fights, but just a shout out, you know, they're big fights. They're big fights for both these lads. Sort of fights where, you know, Steve Ursig fighting Matt Schnell at flyweight. If he beats Matt Schnell from here, we're talking top 10 big boy stuff. So Steve Ursig. The Astro Boy is his nickname. I lost that for a second there, but this is a massive crossroads fight for him. If you lose to Matt Schnell, I'm going to push you back a bit. You beat Matt Schnell, now we're into the top 10. Could be fighting someone like a Menel Karp, Mohamed Makayev. He's in, he's in the, the realm of these sort of blokes. And we could be seeing a genuine title contender at flyweight in Steve, the Astro Boy, Ursig. Now, Tyson Pedro is fighting Vitor Petrino, who I think is a wrestler. He's 10-0. Less less pumped up for this one. This could be tough. And I might just get the odds up here. Uh, but Tyson Pedro, dude, yeah, he's, he had a loss recently, but he's coming off a win now. If he can string a few wins together at light heavyweight here, because light heavyweight is probably mm, the shittest division in the UFC. I don't think that's too controversial. I mean, Steve Ersig, $1.32 against Matt Schnell. I don't mind that at all. And then we have Tyson Pedro at $3.34. So yeah, look, there's a fair chance old Tyson gets ragdolled by this bloke. But I'll tell you what, mate, Tyson Pedro, he's got phenomenal striking and he's got tattoos on his legs. So you can never discount a man with a strong connection to his cultural heritage. So Tyson Pedro, look, I'll tell you what, $3.34, he should be paying like $2.60. That could be pants down stuff for mine. Like I said, light heavyweight is the worst division in the UFC. There's like six elite light heavyweights on the planet. And Alex Pereira is three of them. So a couple of lads to look out for there on the uh, UFC front. A couple of Aussie boys who don't necessarily get the shine or the fanfare. And they will be fighting in the UFC Apex this weekend uh, to a crowd of 17 people. So wanted to give them a little shout out there. Best of luck, lads. 
Yeah, up next, a guest episode with Freak McManus and the Irish Wolfhound, Rowan Arneal. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, way too long, way too long. All right, so I'll introduce Rowan and then you, Freddie, um, and then we'll just start podcasting. Okay? (laughs) So the same as three weeks ago when I was last here doing it. The thing is, and me and Rowan have been guilty of this in the past, once you start podcasting, do not stop for even a second. (laughs) I've stopped for 35 minutes sometimes. I don't think you ever started, mate. (laughs) Anyway. All right, legends. Welcome back to yet another episode of Get Around Me. A fantastic crew in today. The Irish Wolfhound, Rowan Arneal, is here. And returning guest, Freddie McManus, is in the building. Freddie, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much, fellas. Pleasure to be invited back. Well, the hottest tickets in town. I put it over Swift. I put it over it. Thank you, mate. And it is one of the hottest tickets in town because, Rowan, we just saw first celebrity encounter at the new studio. (laughs) Billy missed her. Not by much. Not by much, but he did miss her because he was interested in my life. This is so frustrating. What just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Not that I would have said anything, but I just want to paint a picture for the listener. Can you imagine this happens to you, right? I live with Rowan. He's telling me about how he's still fixing his car for the third week in a row. Now, that's, that's fine, mate. I'm interested in you and your life, and I enjoy hearing what you're up to. But it is information I can get any time I want. Let's not pretend Billy's interested in my car for any reasons that aren't completely selfish Yeah, I would well. say it's a biannual occurrence, so maybe let's not lay it on that thick. But you did ask. You did. I'm not loving the three buses to my parents' place to see them during the week. So I do have a vested interest in Rowan's car to a certain extent. Mm. Anyway, so Rowan's telling me about whatever bullshit he's doing to the car. (laughs) I turn around and they're like, oh, this company works with Kid Leroy and they want to work with you. And I'm like, who is that woman? I recognize her from somewhere. But I'm listening to Rowan talk about his bumper. Mm. (laughs) He's got a fucking UHU glue stick from the newsagent. (laughs) I was locked in too. He was painting a picture. Anyway, long story short, we could have spoken to Australia's greatest porn star, Angela White. <laughs> no, but can, can we set this up, though? So, so Bill finishes listening to Rowan's story, and then he goes, God, who was that woman over there? And Rowan goes, oh, just some porn star. Beat. Bill looks at his shoes and goes, is it Angela White? Another beat. God, it would have been fuck. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> Neither me or Freddie knew who she was. I was Absolutely like, she just looks not. like a porn star. Okay, I will admit candidly on air that I've watched pornography before in my life. Well, no, because you didn't say that. You go, the reason why I thought it was her is because I've seen her on other podcasts and we were like, yeah, that's where you've seen her. <laughs> Firstly, she has been doing the rounds of the podcast <laughs> in Australia. I heard she takes three podcasts at once. That's... <laughs> That's disgusting. That's that is ab- I apologize. That is absolutely I thought r- we were having fun. God forbid. Take me away. Here's the thing, mate. What, are, what is one of the central ideals of Get Around Me? It's promoting Australian talent. Right. Australian talent killing it here and abroad. I would argue <laughs> that no one fits that bill more than Angela White. Sure. I know nothing about it, but... It seems like so. You're yeah, take us through it, brother. We got fifty minutes, maybe fifty-five. So, well, it, she's just what a, are we missing out on? She's a fantastic porn star, and she's one of the best out of Australia. And podcaster, mate. Don't and podcaster. podcaster, an entrepreneur. We learned as well. If anything, and you hate to say this, 
if anything, sometimes I think the porn overshadows her work on the podcast. Mm. Mm. Which is why I won't do porn. I think it's the only reason why podcasts like this one are now a visual medium in addition to an audio one. There was no demand for that when it was just the three fellas sitting around here. The, the 4K wasn't in fucking use then, was it? Yeah, when this podcast was on YouTube, I wore a V-cut t-shirt once. And do you know what? No one gave a fuck. <laughs> Haven't you had 200 YouTube subscribers for the last seven years? Maybe if the t-shirt was a little lower, I would have hit 250. Yeah. So almost met Angela White. Obviously, well, I would never have actually said anything to her. But Right. So yet the, I do also want to clarify that. Is in your ideal version of what that looks like, that interaction that you missed out on because of Rowan, like what is Rowan to blame for here exactly in your mind? What mm. would you have done? No, here's the thing. And I, I should have clarified this. Yes. No one should have done anything differently. Yeah. Okay. But I just would like to believe I'm big on timelines at the moment. Unlocking and closing timelines. Cosmic timelines. Cosmic timelines. Of course. Okay. Sliding doors. I think if Rowan doesn't tell me about his car for the fifth time, maybe I meet Angela White. Okay. And here's the thing is that we don't know what would have happened if he didn't say that. (laughs) I'm sorry. You see, I think I do. I have a timeline that I love, which is that Rowan tells us about his car. Mm -hmm. We notice Angela White. We go, Angela, big fan. Would you like to hear about Rowan's car? (laughs) (laughs) Before you know it, she is wrapped. She is absolutely locked in Mm. to this man. And with those many millions, perhaps hundreds of millions that she's accrued over her many years of hard work, maybe she throws a few of them Rowan's way. And you're you're going to see your parents in like a souped up Bugatti courtesy of AW. Lambo truck. You, and that's it would, it would be a Lambo truck a Lambo for you, truck. wouldn't it? Well, they are the two timelines we missed out on, and I think we'd all agree that the timeline we lived was <laughs> the worst of the three. <laughs> the, oh. the, the, the timeline where Rowan explains in excruciating detail his seat covers <laughs> while I, Angela White leaves. I responded <laughs> to I a resented, question. <laughs> what I resented was you started talking about things that weren't wrong with the car. <laughs> you just started talking about like what color it was. He goes, oh, I'll tell you what, though. There's nothing wrong with the steering. She still steers beautifully. <laughs> so much so. He steered us away from Angela White for fucking half an hour. Which is a good thing, for sure. Yes, it was a good thing. We can all I think it's good that Billy didn't lay eyes on her. I think she's very burnt out with people with your sort of face. Okay, well, if, um, Even with the new haircut, mate? Ooh. ooh. An- another new timeline. I do have a fresh haircut. Maybe she notices. Maybe she notices the haircut. Timeline unlocked. Okay. Interesting. And how does that, your eyes are just glazed over and I feel like you're pursuing that timeline further, but maybe it it doesn't really deserve to be. I don't think anything goes any further as far as maybe a polite hello. Wow, that's a sharp cut. Sharp Mm. cut. Mm. Also, I'm not really in on this whole vibe that we're painting of me as like some crazy porn fan. Well, you did. Because that's sort of what's going on here. Well, you were dismayed. Oh, I mean, yeah. is it a crime did, to support Australian talent? Did that I appropriately my... uh, recap the two beats? <laughs> <laughs> the beat, oh. beat, God, ah. been, oh. I got a text Macca. He'll be fucking furious. <laughs> no, what you actually said was, I cannot wait till Macca hears about this. No, line for line, I said, Macca will love this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Freddie, it's great to have you on the pod, mate. Appreciate uh, it. Sort of, I felt like I, there was a need to ask you back because there was fantastic... Feedback on the episode itself, the audio. Yep. And unfortunately, you know, 
there was an issue with the hard drive where the footage was corrupted. I find it interesting, though, that a podcast that I think we can agree was mostly spent with me and Rowan ganging up on you and making you feel insecure. <laughs> it shocks me to learn there is it's vanished off the face of the earth, the visual of this. I don't know I what it was. I just found that interesting, mate. I don't know what it was. when I came, And this is a IT thing. It might be a bit above your head. Yeah. But when I was teary-eyed, six beers deep later that night, throwing the hard drive in the washing machine... <laughs> I don't know if that's a if that's a factory reset or what's happened there. Well, I I thought it was interesting. We were leaving the studio, and you went, "Oh, you boys, carry on. I'll just uh, turn back for a second. And you picked up a comically large hammer, like from, like Looney Tunes. <laughs> we were like, "Oh, I don't know, Bill's." Oh, Bill needs that for, and a, f- a few bangs later, you're right up with us. Well, it, I, banter aside, Matt, I do feel bad about it. It was an accident. There, there was an issue with the hard drive that it. It was not readable, and I had to change the letter on it. And if you change the letter, it erases everything. So how many views do you usually get on these on these sort of 4K events, if you like? Well, it's all. here's the thing, mate. It's not about the video of the podcast itself. Okay. What are long-form conversation podcasts about? 30-second clips. 30-second clips. Bang. It's about taking the 60 minutes and going, here's all of it in 27 seconds, so none of it makes sense, and some of it might be funny, but probably not. Right. And Billy's talking for 23 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I have noticed that Rowan has been turning down the collaboration on the reels. I've not (laughs) been been invited. uh, I thought thought the optics on me inviting him to collaborate (laughs) when he really the only shot of him is him laughing in that last clip. He's correct, by the way. And the other thing is, to be fair to me, I not only did I work on and post a Instagram reel of pretty much just Rowan and Becky talking for a minute and a half, mm. while and then at the very end I say, "Nice one, guys." <laughs> <laughs> so you know that was selfless. That's true. That's that was true. selfless, right? Yeah, you, you're an all-round player. I'll say that. You know when to score. I'm pointing Angela White out for my boys. I'm editing the clips. Nice. I mean, I don't, I don't know what and, more you want. And you know when you. When to pass Rowan the Rock and say, tell us about your car, mate. Like, that was one of the better assists of your career, I'll say that. Thank you, mate. That was an alley-oop. That was a lob. 100%. But obviously, Freddie, mate, you're our British correspondent. Yes, sir. And we get you in when, when it's required. A uh, time for a British man to react. And that's what this is all about. Obviously, mate, nothing new coming across your desk here. Romeo Beckham has broken up with his girlfriend of five years. <laughs> uh, how's it going to affect him at Brentford? The family dynamic with the Beckhams. Give us your immediate thoughts, feelings, reactions. British uh, man reacts. I honestly think, you know, uh, when the Queen died and there was a big queue there and David Beckham stayed in line for two days. Mm-hmm. That's him outside Romeo's bedroom door for the next 48 hours. <laughs> Here if you need, mate. You just you just process it. Dude, so this Romeo kid, I the first time I ever heard of him was today. Horrendous time to become part of the bandwagon. He's br- broken up with this famous model, David right. Beckham's son. Mate, it goes under the radar, his existence, I think. But also, he plays for Brentford. Right. One of David Beckham's sons plays in England. Mm. Do people talk about... In a Premier League... That's what I'm saying. Do people talk about that? Is he off the bench or... I imagine so, probably. Is he the guy at the end of the documentary who they're doing drills together? Is that Romeo? And then they're like, uh, they're doing like a crossbar channel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so n- none of us know anything about this. <laughs> Top, topic one, tick. <laughs> so that's our 60 second clip. Am I, <laughs> am I correct in saying? Is he the one from... Um, How many Beckham kids are there? Brooklyn, the photographer slash New so, York. I read man. this. He has 70 tattoos. Not in total. 70 that are in tribute to his girlfriend. What? 
Yep. Oh, no. He's one of these stick and poke guys. Oh. And he's got a photography book where it was like, it just looked like a book of photos from my iPhone, but yeah. with sepia tones. Okay, I don't know about you, Bill, but I would just love to hear. Rowan, if you were to get 70 tattoos uh, of your girlfriend or in relation to her, what would they be, starting with number one? Well, I was going to get one from a previous girlfriend that I'm very glad I didn't get. Really? Because that would have been bad. And what was that? It was a Yoshi from an inside <laughs> joke. So I nearly got a Yoshi tattooed on me for free. I'm also going to push the mic away. That's, that's, it was That would be fucking egregious. You hate games. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Our roommate was a tattooist. I nearly got a Yoshi. Mate, and a I was, Yoshi. I was very in love at the time. And yeah. if, if that was Brooklyn Peckham, he would have got all of Mario Kart just down his right arm. His whole back would have been Wario. It would have... <laughs> <laughs> so... This, hell. this is for you, babe. <laughs> Remember that time? You were Wario. I was Yoshi. Right? Oh, my God. Yoshi's on his shoulder because I follow you around. So what, sto- what stopped you from getting this, this Yoshi in tribute to what was then the love of your life? Not, not any sort of decision-making, just laziness. Nice. Which, laz- laziness laz- has bailed you out so many times in your so life. Many Sheer times. apathy has brought you back from the brink so many times. We have so much to thank. Honestly, if you can just put the tiniest bit of administration between Rowan and a horrific decision. <laughs> thank thank God that producer he has now wasn't around during this tattoo thing. She went, Rowan, Yoshi on Thursday. <laughs> Dude, if, if our weed dealer was like, I just need your email, we, we'd never smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, oh, we'd be completely sober. Mate, it's interesting, Rowan, that you don't have any tattoos. Well, I also, well, also that's laziness as well because I've, I've also had people draft them up and then it's like <laughs> you've got to go there and you've got to have money and all this stuff. Yeah, who, who <laughs> they draft up? The fucking Legend of Zelda? You fucking I was going to get married as a bit at one stage, but then it was like I wanted to go to the beach and like shit like that. Because I, I, I will rip on you for that in a second. Which is so hey, dumb. We've got to queue these up. This is I, I'm still processing the Yoshi thing. <laughs> so Yoshi uh, holding a little pizza is what it was going to be. Because oh, God, I feel physically ill. Yeah, pretty bad. Okay, because I do have you put down for like three weird as fuck tattoos. Yeah. It's so, interesting to me that you never got them, but now the admin thing. The admin thing. So I'd, I've had um, the sun god Ra wearing high-vis, sitting on a crate, smoking a cigarette. So that was a big one. Dude, these, are, these aren't tattoos. These are Mambo t-shirts. That's, Dude, that's... these are cries for help is what they are. <laughs> was this all... Uh, so the, we'll get onto the marriage in a bit, I guess, but all these things tied to the same relationship or has this been a pattern? No, that was just... That last one was for sure bad working conditions combined with the sun, mate. Depression v. the sun. The sun is my god. In the hive is that's my god smoking a cigarette. Mate, I- I'm so sorry, Bill, to do you like this, but these sound like Billy ideas. <laughs> like the sun's been good to me. The sun's been a good mate to me. Yeah, I do. I am sort of looking for a mythical god to pledge my allegiance to. I, at the time, I was looking to for a mythical god. Here's the thing, dude. Uh, let's just jump off this for a second because I'm massively into the gods at the moment. Oh, nice. Me too, actually. Dude, this this stoic book I'm reading where they're, they're, they're always talking about the gods, and I just love. The idea of like multiple gods, mm. because often people say, you know, let go, surrender to God, but I don't know if I can trust him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whereas I reckon if there's like 10 blokes up there, one of them must like me, mm. you know, if, and this way, I think if you sort of just were able to 
pin up to one of them mm. and just be like, no, this is Ra. Ra's my guy. Yeah, Ra's my guy. Ra's my guy. So I, I do understand that urge. Yeah. Okay, now I have a new concern, and that is the, the three ideas you did just map out, Billy will now do, <laughs> which is a terrifying thought, honestly. I think the funniest thing about the Yoshi thing would be if you rock up to a gathering, some bloke sees your Yoshi tattoo and goes, oh, brother, do you like video games? And then seeing Rowan just like spit his chips out all over this bloke, <laughs> being like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then you show up like, I know a fellow raw head when I see one. Oh, here we go. Yeah, God. And okay, we'll... this is fucking hilarious. Getting married as a bit. Yeah, that was that was very lucky that didn't happen, actually. Um, like you... to one of your boys? No, to a woman. To a woman you loved. I was yeah, say, yeah. I, I know who would say yes. You'd say yes. If Rowan walked down the hall this week and went, mate, I, I guess we've no, Billy we would be sufficient. Billy would be furious. Dude, I'm not doing anything like that. I reckon my nan would just be rolling in her grave if I did a fake wedding. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it's only the fake part that she would object to. No, she, yeah, 100%. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, what a fucking ridiculous idea. Also, I would be, I would have been secretly married and then secretly divorced. What a fucking hassle. And also, I probably would still be married secretly. How old, would you, how old were you when you were considering this? Um, my frontal lobe was developed. Interesting. <laughs> I was 25, probably. Also, <laughs> it wasn't developed then. I knew you when you were 25. How <laughs> about that? I had that pegged as like 22. That's absolutely disgraceful. That's You've had that idea at 25. <laughs> Secondly, you would definitely still be married because the admin to get divorced oh. is way worse than the admin yeah. to, to get married. Yeah, I'd be married to a woman in America. Massively. Massive hassle. Yeah, it's like who gets oh. who gets the Nintendo Switch and the divorce <laughs> that brought us together with our beautiful Yoshi <laughs> moment. <laughs> and now only one can have it. You, you try and keep the Yoshi joke going, but with her, you try and like slip it in somehow. You're like, oh, do you like Yoshi? Like, wouldn't it be fun? Do you find this hilarious? Yeah. <laughs> you want to keep the Yoshi going with new girlfriends for sure. Be like, no, that's the thing me and Billy said one time. It's, it's a thing. Oh, but, mate, uh, look, we'll get off Rowan's... Uh, sort of history because it's quite three-dimensional. <laughs> Thank you. You start asking this bloke about what he got up to in his early 20s. <laughs> Absolutely. We might actually finally make an hour if we dig into your early 20s. <laughs> I mean, we just reached 25 and I've known him in the four years, the Olympic cycle since then. Oh, And even more shit has happened. I thought you were saying we reached 25 minutes. I was absolutely ecstatic just then. <laughs> <laughs> These podcasts feel like I'm on a date where I'm like, just get to seven. <laughs> just get to seven. <laughs> But, you got uh, any hobbies? <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Oh, wow. But, mate, speaking of hobbies and great times and friends, we did have a sensational Saturday night, Freddie. Mm. Unbelievable. I will say this about our house. When you pull the couches back, Ooh. you want to talk about transforming a space. Mm. Magic happens in there when you pull our couch back. I honestly think it's like in basketball uh, in like the 70s, you could only shoot for two points and then they introduced the three-point line which changed the game. Like now all these records are being broken. That feels like your living room now. It's like they moved the line back. Now anything can happen. Dude, honestly, it make me it makes me believe in like feng shui. Mm. Right. Because honestly, if you have to turn your neck to talk to someone, you're going to have a terrible time. You need to open the room up, create a circle. Also, what I love about it, personally speaking as a guest, is there are two couches. They both seat three people. So if you have six people a natural battle emerges between the three on couch one and the three on couch two. And don't worry, which one is couch one is the first thing that comes up. 
hundred percent. And it works out great because I've only got seven friends. Yeah. So I'm booking capacity. And then there's someone on a different bench. Like I'm on the chair as a sub, like just ready to jump in at any moment. Oh, mate. Jeez, you were bloody ready to go Saturday night, Freddie. I'll say that. Oh, don't yeah. do this. <laughs> don't do this. Fergus Look, James, gonna... what an artist. What a musician we saw. We Star went out... of the show, though. Will we mention the star of the show? Okay, so we did go out and see Fergus James, a fantastic musical performance we will get into. Mm. The star of the show Mm. probably rolled in about 4 p.m. At least look me in the eyes if you're going to do this too. (laughs) The star of the show rolled in about 4 p.m. and I could see my reflection in his hair. I've never seen this amount of moose in a man's head, English or otherwise. It was like English. English or otherwise I won't have. England, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Star of the show was the moose. It wasn't even Freddy. The I was, moose took hold of our living room. Dude, I, t- I knocked on his head. It was like a tin can. We it smelled like- him coming. <laughs> <laughs> we smelled him from <laughs> Central <laughs> Station. Dude, what a, what a, I was Rowan, like Angela White, I think. <laughs> 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 he smelled me I was on my way. <laughs> Rowan lit a candle, and when you turned to our street, it, it went up. <laughs> it went up like the burning bush. Do you know the worst part of this is we've been friends for a long time, and... Later on in Saturday night when you were like hammered and you go, mate, we'll, we'll get you back on the pod next week. I reckon it'd be a good time. I knew not to trust it then. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> the, the, even the, the, the strands of the pretty aggressive quiff I'd sort of fashioned into my own head, it was whispering to it. It was saying, don't do this. <laughs> will, you, will you admit publicly that you went overboard with the moose? I did not go overboard with the moose. I will say this directly into the camera. I do not usually put product in my head. There's none right now. Honestly, I, I know better than that. I put the tiniest amount in there. Tiniest. And it just reshaped it a little bit, trying something a little different. This guy, by the way, in the lobby is going, you didn't notice my new haircut. <laughs> <laughs> like you're fucking not giving a shit about how, you, how you're showing up to events. <laughs> well, in don't, the, don't even get onto this guy who goes, if I'm in the UFC, cornrows every fight. <laughs> I'd have to do it, mate. So I don't want you coming at me. I show up and... You didn't even say, the worst part was, you didn't even say if it looked good or bad. If it looks bad, I'll take that as advice. I'll sort of, you know, go in the mirror. You just sort of said, it's there and we can't stop looking at it. And that to me, that sort of purgatory, that halfway house you put me in, that's where the pain emerged. Well, that's where in- I started to feel, you notice I didn't speak for like, for, I'm not fucking done. <laughs> I actually am done. That's, that's all I had. Honestly, oh, mate, I'm so mad about this that you it, brought this up. It looked great, but it was just Rowan said, Freddie, have you got some moose in your oh, hair? And then he shot me a look that said, this is now the afternoon. <laughs> he said something even worse. He goes, is that gel in your hair? <laughs> like I'm the guy from the in-betweeners with it fucking like taking the ceiling fan out with how high up it is. And then I clarified, which was a mistake. If I have my time, we talk about timelines. In a separate timeline, I do not correct him and say, actually, it's moose, which I regret to this day. The, word, it was only moose, three days ago. the word moose <sighs> hit the room and the whole vibe changed. If I'd said pomade, I think the floor would have <laughs> collapsed from underneath us. Well, we I saw just... your hair and then we recalibrated and thought, are we still in the Southern Hemisphere? Yes, we are. What's going on? Rowan said, in it, love. Immediately. <laughs> Without even skipping a beat. But I love stuff like this because I love when anyone makes the slightest change <sighs> and blokes are just so fucking... A bloke that does not mem- remember your girlfriend's name after two years is just like... <sighs> Mate, are you wearing a ring? And you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, we know you almost were. Jesus Christ, 25. <laughs> you almost had a pretty big one on, huh? Mate, I... You had some 24 carrot shit coming your way. I live for this as well. 
Yeah, you I'll, live for this. I'll never forget when I was 19, I wore a sleeveless denim vest. <laughs> <laughs> And not shirtless, I had the white t-shirt, sleeveless denim. And honestly, I was walking to my mate, uh, Benny Rogue's place, and I was quietly confident. (laughs) And as soon as I opened that door, I just remember thinking, what the fuck have I done? (laughs) And and do you know the worst part is subconscious. Your subconscious told you, t-shirt underneath. Because it said, in case this goes poorly, at least we'll have a white tee. I'm James Dean all of a sudden. But that, that, I'd seen that during that time. In Sydney, people were rocking it. Here's and the thing. people were pulling it off. None of them looked like you. It was 2013. Yeah, it was 2012. 2013. So, so a bunch of guys who've just been eliminated from boot camp at the X Factor. <laughs> 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 we walking around. It, it was, <laughs> you just fell into step with them. Yeah, it, it was me and uh, seven other guys who Guy Sebastian did not advance to the next round. <laughs> But it was one of those things where I walk in with the denim vest and I think my sister, even though my sister, I I don't even know if she'd started trashing my outfits yet, or maybe my mum said something, but someone at home said something, (laughs) just a little bit, little bit of a, oh, okay. (laughs) And also mum, it's way worse. Yeah. But then, you know, I'm 19, I'm 18, I might've been 17, 18 or something. I'm walking over there. I've got the M&M going and I'm, I'm, by the time I hit the door, I'm like, you can handle this. <laughs> and then as as soon as I sit down and crack a beer, I give it that, anyway, lads, what's the goss? And you could just tell the vibe's not right. Like the vibe, it's not a normal- To use that word again, feng shui. Yeah. It was I, just off. And you know what? I look around, the couches have been opened up. Yeah. Nothing to do with the furniture. And the boys, you know, they just started in. I'll tell, I'll tell what else has been opened up. Your fucking forearms, dude. <laughs> you had your entire arm out. Oh yeah, absolutely shocking. I never wore it again. How much did it cost? It was forty dollars. JJ's uh, eight friendships. <laughs> oh man! I think it was my first ever ASOS purchase. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah, ASOS will get a man. ASOS got me as well. Did you see it on the all website? All these hot then? blokes, all these hot blokes, just wearing kind of cool English-looking things, and you then just bang, you've got a jacket with twenty buttons on it, and you're like, this doesn't work at all. I, I got done by Boohoo Man. <laughs> uh, there was a, a particularly outrageous like shirt. And someone who's like not the same uh, height, weight, or ethnicity as me is just looking <laughs> fucking unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> You're just looking at a six foot four African man going, "Oh, that's got me all." I am over. looking at LeBron James. <laughs> it was unbelievable, uh, and I remember it took a while to come. And in that two weeks, like week two, I was almost like wanted to send it back. Like I was. Every time there'd be like a knock on the door, I would shudder. Like, and when you're unwrapping it, like you know what's coming. You know, you already know from the vibe of the box. Were well, you, you know think in your head, "Oh, great, this will go perfectly with my Timberlands I just purchased." <laughs> do, you know, do, you know the, do you know the worst part? This is how this is how immediately I knew it didn't look good on me. I didn't even uh, put in enough effort to go to the mirror to check how it looked. I saw it in the reflection of the toaster. <laughs> And then I just thought, oh, God. And it's, like, stained. But even then, you can see. This is how low the bar for this can get. One time in high school, wear white socks. Wear white kind of above-the-ankle socks. And I wore black socks. And in high school, that's what the Polynesian blokes wore. And um, immediately called out for thinking I was too cool. Just a whole day of being like, who do you think you are? Yeah, you, I'm like, they're just black socks, mate. You've overstepped. That's I've overstepped. You've I've overstepped. overstepped. That's why I love like the high school hierarchy. Like 
Polynesians in your school, they own black socks. That's a sock that's available to the rest of the world outside of the school gates. And kind of very cool skaters. Everyone else, white socks, sorry. I love that. And I was doing cross campus that day. I had planned the black socks as well. I was like, I'm going to roll in. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So there was, there was mischievous intentions. So, so you didn't run out of white socks? I think I was being Mr. Cool for sure. It sounds like the boys mm. held a mirror up to you, mate, saying, <laughs> yeah. who's this cunt? They, they well, held the toaster up and you <laughs> saw it in there. You go, oh, God damn it. Well, I think that's why I remember because I was like, damn, I didn't get away with it at all. Yeah, no, that, that's... being held accountable does not uh, leave your your mind quickly. Dude, you know? honestly, I cannot think of a single time in my life where I've thought I'm the fucking man without seven seconds later something <laughs> happening in comedy, in fashion choices, in attitude, rolling into a house party where like you think like you're the coolest person there, and then fucking Guy Sebastian's there or something like. Right. You know what I mean? I've never once not received my comeuppance within the hour. Yeah, me too. About- again, again, very thankful that Angela White interaction <laughs> did not happen. <laughs> Based on what you've just said, added to the list. Um, but anyway, it was a great night Saturday night. Uh, Bands aside, Freddie, you know the moose. It was too much, but we're going to move on. Uh, <laughs> but we go out. We go out. We see Fergus James. Friend of the podcast. Friend of ours now. Mate. Mm. Outstanding. I wish we could say we showed him a good time. Yeah, we'll get to that. God, I'm so embarrassed about Ah. that. Anyway, we go in. Now, I don't want to speak out of school. I was on the list. Okay? Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Billy Darcy plus one. Unreal. I thought, this is exclusive as hell. Yeah. This is fucking sick. Our mate Annie Boyle was with us. She goes, I'll just buy a ticket on the door. Beautiful. Whatever. You'll be paying, babe, because you're not on the list. Mm -hmm. This is how lists work. Mm. Anyway, I go, Billy Darcy plus one, stamp for me and Freddie, job done. I go, AB, get your wallet out, you know? You're, this is, you're not on the list. She looks at the guy straight away and just goes, Annie Boyle plus one, and just doesn't blink. And then the guy starts going through the list, and he goes, you're not here. And she just doesn't blink and goes, I was put on there late, so I might not be on there. And just staunch, staunch the guy out, and the guy was like, yeah, sorry about that. And he like apologized to her and stamped her up. And but you've missed the best part. Is she goes Annie Boyle plus one. <laughs> I think <laughs> there's, the, there's someone who's not even with her who she's claiming she, did she not also have, has the right to bring. She it. did not have a plus one. I think the plus one was Freddie's moose. <laughs> oh god damn! But dude, honestly, <sighs> to not even say Annie Boyle just on the list to say Annie Boyle plus one. And they just don't have anyone with you. Hey, talking about tattoos, I'm getting AB plus one for sure, dude. Oh, my God, oh my yeah. God. Put it on my forehead. But I get in anywhere. It just goes to show if you're going to lie about something, you've got to go two feet in. Mm. Yeah. You know? It, 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 if it was me, I would have been like, Billy Darcy, am I on there? I'm so sorry, I'll pay double. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know? you got to roll in. When it was the flick through. It was the minute he starts going through, that's when I would panic. I would have been blinking, And she let him do it. She let him run his finger through A through Z of all these names. I just watched him like a... It's the confidence of when he goes, you're not on here, looking at him being like, you fucked up. Mm. That's what it is. Right. You know what I mean? So I just think it's something to look at going forward. I remember one time I was with Kyle Legacy. We went to do a gig. And downstairs he goes, could I get a pint of Carlton draft? And the guy goes, no worries, that's 10 bucks. And Kyle goes... Oh, can I just have it for free? Come on, mate, it's me. And the guy, <laughs> and the guy goes, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And the king goes, Bill, if you don't ask, you'll never get. Wow. That's something you can only do not in your country. I was going to say, yeah, you he didn't say that, it like that. He would. He was like, he come on, lad. <laughs> I'm fucking here. You know what I mean? Like, 
But you, I just it just goes to show if you're willing to put your neck on the line a little bit, mm. you can walk through most situations. But again, remind yourself of what you just said two minutes ago, which is the second you feel confident everything is aligned, I'm ready to really feed it to these people. That's when you get found out. So in other words, if Billy Darcy goes to that same bar and goes, it's me, Billy D, free beer, I think they throw it in your face. The thing with me is arrogance is like, it's such, I, arrogance, I can only wear like the tiniest amount. Yeah, he would get yeah, even if arrogance got... is like a sleeveless denim vest. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. you can't go down the arm. That, that's the thing because I'm kind of already wearing a sleeveless denim yeah, vest. A little yeah. bit. That is my overall attitude. Yeah, mm. you had the sleeves. We got a problem. Yeah, if you got that free beer, that's see, Kyle, all good. You, you're calling the bartender toots in no time. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, but here's the thing as well. I think if I go down there, and Annie Boyle's on the list, and I say Billy Darcy plus two, I reckon they just go. He's down here, immediately tased. Mm. Tased, beaten out the back. And then AB goes, you can be my plus one if you want. And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> He's got a plus seven. Um, but anyway, yeah, we go and saw, saw Fergus James. Fucking cracking concert. Great time. We took him out on the worst night out ever after. Oh, come on. Horrendous. <laughs> we, we, you have to start with what else was happening in the venue. Because that was also awful. The 80s night. Correct. I, I, I liked the 80s night. You're wrong. You also were there for like one second. Yeah, that's true. The 80s night was absolutely shocking. I went and got samosas. That was pretty good. That's that's your 80s night. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, pretty yeah, cool. To be fair, an Indian takeaway that doesn't doesn't take card is pretty much 1983. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> the price is still reflected as well, so play on. But that but, also wasn't the best. Like You've just finished a show. Like Imagine you finish one of your shows and then immediately like an 80s disco envelops you and it's like just guys, guys were break dancing. It was like 70-year-old guys like, hooking up with chicks oh god it was awful yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. uh it was like it's got 80 year old guys are like not 80 year old but like 80s guys in like the sleeveless denim vest like, i think so yeah and some of them were like proper trying to get with chicks it was freaking me out yeah like the the women were of their vintage but still it was pretty graphic really <laughs> if anything it was probably our fault for being there it wasn't for us we were the intruders really it should be clarified we did not have a ticket to that event and should not have been in the room yeah, yeah. i mean uh, guess who hooked us up <laughs> <laughs> i just said annie boyle plus seven yeah. next thing you know vip booth what's <laughs> <laughs> but um and then so yeah we take ferg out you know which is pretty cool taking the artist out himself and he's from armadale so he was like you know it was a bit take me to the cool places take me to the cool places we took him to the columbian hotel on oxford street Ugh. we had two of the worst beers of all time and then he left almost without saying goodbye <laughs> I, I know you guys love saying shout out what is the opposite of that so we can use it for the columbian hotel do not go to the columbian hotel i mean this carries weight, I feel. <sighs> Absolutely shocking. Such a shit pub. Yeah. <laughs> also, we were moaning about, oh, you know, it was really rough us being there at 1am. Rowan then proceeds to tell us the story of how he went for lunch there with guys he works with once. Like, he got food there in On the middle Friday. of the day. On Friday. Yeah, he's, he's doing so a lot of... that's way worse. I feel. Well, like I, we ended up there because, oh God, where do we go? We I, were struggling to get into when, places. When you're in high-vis, it doesn't really matter where you drink. Yeah. You just need to be in a smoking section in a pack. With your boss paying for all the beers. Also, I can tell you that I was there on Saturday night and I can't imagine Rowan and his mates having beers at 1pm were having a worse time than us. <laughs> it was empty. I'll take that on board, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah, no, nah, my bad. Well, there you go. There you bloody go. We brought, we brought Indian food inside. 
We took it from next door and brought Indian food inside. This is a real um, insight for the listener into the fact that we're friends with you, but when we go out together, we see very little of you. <laughs> you just went on an entire side adventure. Well, I saw... where we're fucking watching a 70-year-old man making up with two six-year-olds at the same time. It's I, like, where's Rowan? I'll I tell you a beautiful what, meal. It was that episode of How Me Mother, how they're like, couples are so tired and single people have energy. Like, I turn around at like 10.30 and Rowan and his girlfriend are like close to horizontal on the couch. <laughs> there's one couch in, in the, the venue. venue there's like one couch at the back they're just like I'm like you guys are heading off huh? and Rowan's like big time <laughs> yeah he's getting he's getting a stick and poke of the Lego man like the Lego movie just he's whispering Yoshi things to him <laughs> oh my god oh let's go to Rainbow Road big time but mate speaking of Rainbow Road uh, Taylor Swift was in town your segues are becoming undefeated that's Never not lost. bad Pretty that's good. not bad Mate, I know you wanted to talk about Freddie. So what what is your vibe on this whole overall Taylor Swift thing? Because I was down at Circular Key yesterday. Right. And it is freaking insane. Everyone was just buzzing around. First of all, I will clarify. We're very aware that it is not for us. So you don't want to fall into like there are two like men you can be this week. And one is like the person just trashing her being like, oh, music sucks, whatever. Like, that's lame. You don't want to be that guy. Billy loves her. Dude, firstly, True. to clarify, I love Taylor Swift, and I would have gone if they were accessible to the casual fan. There you go. You know, I, I, I like Taylor Swift more than rugby league, but, like, I'm a casual <laughs> rugby league fan. I can access rugby league if I want to. I'm going to go to a couple of games this season. But Taylor Swift, I can't be taking a day off work to right. see an artist I'm not, like, like not isn't, like, one of my top, top artists on the planet and not even get tickets. Like, I'm never going to win that battle. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people were still like finger to the finger on the pulse to like get tickets last minute. Were you in that sort of space or no? If I was offered a ticket and someone was like, "If you got two hundred forty bucks, you can come," I would have done it immediately. Right, dude. Nick Cody when he said it was the best time of his life. God damn. Andrew Schultz said it was the best live event he's ever been to. Well, he's a fucking idiot. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that's two reviews from from guys who I look up to. So. <laughs> <laughs> But, dude, oh. I would totally have gone to see Taylor. But I'll tell you what, you see people rolling around. I was thinking about this, and it's a lot of mums and daughters. Do you think people are fucked up at the Taylor Swift concert? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Not, not as much as a usual concert. It's fucking four hours long. She does 44 songs we Googled. It goes for three and a half hours, her set. God and damn. it's in four acts, like the four errors. No, no interval? I have no idea. It's in a stadium. I don't think you need an interval. I'm sure maybe that her opening act comes out and just does a couple more while she does like and a costume she has an change. I mean, my God. That's the thing, dude. Taylor Swift is doing a three and a half hour set and has two openers. Comedians in Australia do a 50 minute show and won't have an opener. It's like right. you got no room for an opener, lads. Taylor's about to come on and do three and a half and she's got Sabrina Carpenter up here. You this know? feels a lot like Saturday night as well. Bill talking about the lack of openers and city comedy. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Anyway. I might have dipped out of the hang before then. I do think that's funny when it's like, uh, we're like, I can't believe someone does like a three and a half hour show. What a sprawling, like, epic. <laughs> Chappelle's in town. He did the exact same fucking thing. He's on stage for like eight hours. Yeah, it's less hate. She's not drunk. Taylor Swift. Also, he's yeah, hammered. Taylor Swift isn't hammered on a stool, yeah. smoking cigarettes, going, <laughs> going, what the fuck are you looking at? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, and also, she doesn't go off on 35-minute soliloquies yeah. about how she's more of a more of a warrior than a comedian and yeah. and how it's... Uh, this, I, they don't want me up here. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want me up here. It's like, actually, this is the most in-demand event. <laughs> Everyone here is so happy you're up there. It's the way people dress up for it. My only issue with it 
is really the way the sort of city shutdown component of it, where it's just inconveniencing me in my life re-getting the train. It's like I've been giving up my like obviously the trains are like packed. I'm having like a panic attack because there are like 140 people in the cabin or whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of feel because they're like 16 and they're wearing like glitter and stuff. I now feel like after my day of work, I've got to give up my seat like as a courtesy because I feel bad because they're the only ones standing and their other friends are sitting down. I'm like, ah, fuck it, up my seat. You know what I mean? I don't relate. No, I don't really care about anything you just said. This feels like the moose all over again. I'll tell you what. They like my moose. <laughs> Taylor Swift comes to town twice a decade. Freddie's like, the train was a bit behind. <laughs> what age did you just morph into just then? Oh, no. Well, you also said, yeah. It's you that 80s night. Man. That's okay. That 80s night, they got me. You're not actually the only uh, out-of-touch straight white guy to try and okay. talk about Taylor Swift today, mate. Scott Morrison actually <laughs> weaved some Taylor Swift lyrics into his final address in Parliament. That's magic. He even had the um the bracelets on and he had his daughters in the room uh being and like weaving in the uh the taylor swift you know i know people are, are gonna you know not respect my reputation and the haters gonna hate oh which is like i just i got so many thoughts on this i hate it when you could just tell he's like in his office talking to his advisors going like so what do people like? Mm. What, what are people talking right. about out there? Oh, Taylor Swift's in town. It says here she's the most popular artist on the planet. He's like, I love that. Chuck a couple of her lyrics in. That way people will think I like Taylor Swift and they'll like me. There's no way that bloke's listened to music in the last 20 years. Dude, how could anyone, like how, like if he'd listened to literally any music, surely it would have, he'd have even, uh, just the tiniest bit more empathy. I, I, think, <laughs> I also think he's been listening to music for the last 20 years, but it's just been the same song and it's just a monkey clashing cymbals together. It's just been in his head for the last 20 years. But that's the thing with the politicians that I get is like, things are only cool if you like them. Right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like what's up, like NBA, right? You yeah. love the NBA. You're, you're watching it on seven different screens. You know all the stats. If I say um, a grand final from 1983, you can tell me what day of the week it is. Sure. Probably Thursday. Here's the thing: if you and your if <laughs> if you and your buddies are talking about NBA, that's right as well. Look that up. <laughs> but if you and your mates are talking about NBA at a party, and I come over, and I'm so desperate for you to like me, I pretend to know about NBA for 20 minutes. You, you and have I'm done like, that where you walk over and go, "This conversation is a slam dunk." And we're like, <laughs> "Fuck off, Bill." Yeah. If I'm like, "Oh, geez, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Oh, when are they playing against each other next?" Like, you actually said Michael James and LeBron Jordan, but. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the like, sentiment was the same. That's lame. The NBA's not lame. I'm lame. Yeah. Mm. I'm lame for being so desperate to make you like me. Right. That I'm like just, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand how they might, they don't see how that could be construed. Well, it's also weird. He also loves marching his daughters out. You're like, leave these ladies alone. That's Stop what I'm using thinking. your daughters for us to like you more. Yeah, Tony Abbott tried that as well. He'd be like, wheel them out, yeah. wheel them out. They, they <laughs> girl dad, girl yeah. dad. Dude, shut the yeah. fuck up. Oh, sorry, guys. Just still got Taylor Swift ringing in my ears. Like, <laughs> But it's more authentic to be like, God, my, my daughters won't stop playing Taylor Swift. It's fucking pissing me off. Mm. You know what I mean? Or, or that's how you've got into, be upfront. Or to, yeah. that's how I got into the music, obviously. Just authenticity in any right. way, shape, or form. It's like every uh, time they always make the Prime Minister of Australia do the cricket commentary. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, just once, and instead of like, uh, I remember Tony Abbott was like, oh, I hope they score a goal or something. I'd much prefer if you just say, honestly, lads, I don't really like watching cricket, 
But I know it's a massive part of the Australian calendar. The Prime Minister rocks up here every year. I'm the Prime Minister, and I'm here to give it a go. Mm. I don't really know the rules. Mm. That's so much better than pretending. I'm sitting at home just seething when he's calling it sports ball and shit. Like, Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a bit of an example of someone nailing it, though. Albo did pretty well this year. Right. But he likes cricket a little bit. Okay. I just mean in general with the, you talk about like the authenticity that you want from politicians with their hobbies and interests. Like I can't think like even when Obama and his wife put out the playlist of like songs they've been listening to, like people were kind of turning on that, even though there was nothing really to that. They were still like, oh, we don't want to hear this from you. So yeah. even when people kind of nail it, they're still not around. Because like Obama goes to like the NBA All-Star Weekend and like they all want to get a photo with him. He can, he could shoot a jumper, like he can do it. Yeah. And like, so when they win the championship, they go to the White House. And so when Trump was there, they were like, we don't want to go. And they were like, you have to go. And so they just have to show up anyway <laughs> and step aside and whilst just seething. Whilst Did it go Obama out. into Trump? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a tough, that's a tough, yeah. and, that's and the a tough shift. Part, the same team won. <laughs> so 2015, your pu- champions were the Golden State Warriors. Oh no, 2016, it was actually LeBron, but that was still Obama. And then the following year was Trump's first year, 2017. And that was the Warriors were just like, absolutely not. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I reckon just just fucking just get rid of the script. Because that was a moment of authenticity for Trump was when uh, a porn star came out and says he loves porn stars. And Trump was like, yeah, I do. It's like when Kevin Rudd got caught, it was like a news article of um, him going to the strippers in New York. And everyone in Australia was like, oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, he's a, bit, he's a bit of a normal bloke. Yeah. He's overseas and up to mischief. No, nice. I, and do you know what it is? I don't actually give a fuck what you get up to or what you say, but just do what, or just do or say what you were going to do anyway. Also, mm. that guy in New York, it's the one time you can fully embrace like complete anonymity. Like no one knows you there. They're oh, all carrying on out there. Dude, I remember one time I saw a video of Tony Abbott sculling a schooner. Remember when the prime minister yeah. did that? And like, you can, t- he's got, his eyes are watering. He's like only at the halfway mark. And you could just tell like, he's like, you need to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Like people are filming, like it's probably like a mid strength. To, to be fair though, I think a lot of people wanted to see him get waterboarded. So <laughs> I don't think they minded that at all. <laughs> I don't know. It just creeps me out. Like how, like they, how dumb they think we are but sometimes. But also it's the job is inherently dumb where they're like, I have to be able to try and please everyone. So yeah. it's like, already it's like out the door. You're never going to get someone, even if someone authentically is like, I really like this thing or I don't. That's an immediate divide between people who then like or dislike that thing as to how they, what they think about. It. So in, in summation, express no interest in anything. Correct. There you go. There hey, we mate, go. That's I've been a nailing. platform right there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be hilarious if like down the line, it's, it's some guy just writing really hard in his campaign for Prime Minister being like, I'm a Billy Darcy guy. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. Wait, just wait. Imagine just being like, I'll tell you what I like. I like power and being in charge. Okay. <laughs> I don't have time to listen to Taylor Swift. I'm on a fucking PJ selling shit all over the globe. Okay. This is what I'm about. That was Put, a bit of Malcolm Turnbull. Yeah. I'm about putting on the suit right. and fucking mm. seeing a few heads roll, brother. Okay. I, I first, uh, I'd first um, moved to Australia when. Malcolm Turnbull was prime minister. And honestly, it did take me aback, like someone who was so like openly angry, like all of the mm. time. You know, when you watch those speeches of like Mao and like, you don't understand anything they're saying, but they're like speaking like really you just aggressive. Look at him and you're like, this man knows his way around a cheese board and fucking does not understand poor people at all. And yeah. I kind and, of like and, it. Like, I just kind of respect and the honesty. Yeah, he's like, and just, not even just, kind of. Ugh. You can just tell the, the, uh, 
No, but with I feel like with Turnbull, he doesn't hate them. They just don't make sense to him. Yeah, they don't make sense like, to him. What? Stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> why do they all have kids? Like you can just tell. You can, he's going to advisors constantly, being like, "Why do they all have so many fucking kids? You could do, why don't uh, they stop?" A year into his prime ministership, they're like, uh, "Look, what are we going to do about the poor people?" He's like, "What? Still?" <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's funny. I was saying to Rowan the other day, like I was like, "Oh, mate, you know me, mate. I, I see the world." Right, and I see it through a, a, a specific lens. He's a sponge, brother. He's a sponge. I soak in information. This is like you auditioned, not you rehearsed this. <laughs> I was saying to Rowan, and uh, I think we were, we were blazing in the backyard on the concrete ramp in our backyard, yeah, mate, where shock. all the best thoughts happen, right? and none of them work within the art of stand-up comedy. Yeah, <laughs> where me and Rowan will be rolling around saying that's the funniest bit on. You have to do that on stage, <laughs> and I'm writing it down, and then two nights later, I'm in Newtown with my inner monologue just going like, Rowan doesn't get comedy. <laughs> As I'm just bombing with this bit that was like laying people out in our backyard. And you're still in the garden, still <laughs> laughing about the thing he said two days ago. Well, one of my favourite Billy quotes in the backyard, I'm like, yeah, it's funny. He's like, mm, I guess what the problem is, is the clear racism. <laughs> I was like, that is the issue with my bit right now. It is the racism. It is very funny, but... <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till uh, Ryan O'Neill gets all Malcolm Turnbull with it and goes, I know they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one to give your comedian roommate on the way out. Great bit, Rowan. Just tone down the racism on that one. And he's like, yep, no stress, Bill. <laughs> and he's like, down or up? And there's a timeline where you, he thinks you said up and there's a timeline where he thinks you said down. Dude, um, but I would say to Rowan, I go, mate, I just feel like the world is going to shit the last three years, to be honest, like... We got COVID, impending wars, all this stuff, you know, famine. We're running out of water, apparently. And then we talked about it for like literally 17 seconds. I go, I think I just started watching the news three years ago. <laughs> just when his entire source of news wasn't the Manly Cricket Club group chat. Right. He's like, oh, I just feel like you. I was like, the GFC, that was pretty big. Like a lot of bad. He's like, oh, yeah, true. I wasn't watching the news at all. No. Dude, I can assure you that ignorance is bliss. Mm. I didn't watch the news until I was like 25. Dude, yeah, I remember one of the earliest memories I ever watched in the news is when that tsunami hit. And literally all they had was just a live feed of it just enveloping like the entire, just the ent all the land, just all of it with like sludge. It gets all muddy and stuff. I remember thinking then, and I still think it to this day, like as a visual on the news, like nothing has topped that as the most traumatic thing I've ever seen on Television, like you're just literally seeing people's homes just disappear, people getting caught up in it. And they had it on like a live feed, like, who is there? Malcolm Turnbull's there watching the 24-hour feed with his feet up, like, should have moved, should have moved. Yeah, It's not an emerging area. <laughs> it's not an emerging area. Dude, I remember, I love how they used to always just, uh, it was a race between Carl Stefanovic and Koshy to get to the natural disaster. Yeah. And Carl would be like, I'm boots on the ground. I'm the first one here. <laughs> I'm the wettest man in the country. Yeah, yeah. My Channel 9 polo is soaked right now. <laughs> this is the length I go to to bring you the stories. I'm staying in a five-star hotel, two towns over. But this is still... You know, and Koshi was only late because he thought to bring an umbrella. <laughs> fucking unbelievable. Anyway, lads, well, I think this is probably done, really. You can yeah. just feel the vibe is just no, plummeted. No. Maybe talked about Malcolm Turnbull too much. I think we well, not we, enough. we really had nothing to say about Taylor Swift, to be fair. I think that's how it should be, though. Yeah, we're I correct. have seen a couple of pod clips of like 40-year-old men being like, I don't get it. Yeah, I actually think I saw the same clip. And yeah, I was it's like, like a sponsored clip of some guy. Like, who, who is this and but why? It, it's like... It's not for you. Mm. I'm, trying to, mm. I'm trying to write a bit about this. I don't want to reveal anything from my 
festival show this year. But I, I'm sure I'll stony face silence when you do it now. We'll attend to that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I have no intention of laughing at this. So Dude, also, <laughs> give it your best. This isn't 1989 where there's like three rock bands and two pop stars at any one time. Mm. There's fucking millions of cunts doing literally anything right now. The, this, like, stop. We need to take I don't like this or I hate this out of my voca- vocabulary. You know what I mean? Sounds just, like a keeper, eh, Rowan? <laughs> no, but like, it's, it's just not for you. Like, oh, yeah, she I does know. a core stadium four nights in a row. She plays a fucking Monday to 100,000 people. Right. It's like for, how, for three and a half hours. Yeah, yeah how, like 400,000 people. How many hundreds of thousands of people would you have to play for before a 43-year-old bloke goes, you know what, maybe it's not for me. Mm. But like, they're the same people who... Some like old guy will cover a Taylor Swift song in an RSL, and he'll be front row like, "Now this is music. This is how I used to." Yeah, be. I saw. And he won't even realize that the song they're playing is from the very artist who's like, "I don't get it." Yeah, I mean, Paul Kelly covered "Anti-Hero." There you go. And I was, I mean, personally, I was absolutely frothing. You know, when one of your favorite artists covers another artist mm. you like, that is fucking. That's Angela White in the lobby. Mm. You know what that's I mean? That's exciting. That's exciting, but not as exciting as the developments with Rowan's vehicle. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So we got... We're very close. We're very close. We're very close. New seat covers have been purchased. <laughs> lots of lots of things have happened. Some LEDs changed today. I mean, take it away, brother. The floor is yours. Bill and I will just leave, pack things up, <laughs> and you just the autom- look down the barrel and just uh, let them know. It just transitions into the automobile hour with Rowan Arneal. <laughs> yeah, the, the rust the has been changes. sprayed. The rust has been sprayed. Oh, nice. nice. With what? More rust? <laughs> Freddie cannot drive. He's never driven oh, in his life. Oh, fuck off. Get out of town. Beautiful, lads. Honestly, a fantastic episode. And I look forward to hopefully seeing the MP4 files of said episode. That's exciting. Wow. Wow. Anyway, we are all doing the Melbourne and Sydney comedy festivals. You can go to our respective Instagram bios to have a look at those. I'm doing a national tour. I'm coming absolutely everywhere in my Instagram bio and the show notes of this podcast. Freddie McManus and Rowan O'Neill, boys, what a pleasure. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Sweet.